Hey guys, welcome to episode 28 of the JV Club. Ooh, I'm getting really excited because we're getting close to 30. That's very exciting. Um, I want to uh, welcome you back. I want to say that I recorded this episode with Aaron Gibson um, a couple months ago. Maybe... Was it a few months ago? You know what? It may have been a few months ago. I, I do know for sure that it was pre-Cootie Catcher. Um, otherwise, that would have been in play because Aaron would have been fantastic at the Cootie Catcher. Uh, this is... Uh, so, I, as I said, this is something that was recorded a little while ago. Um, it, there's, a, some I think, some really interesting discussion in here. Aaron is uh, so bright and thoughtful and aware and savvy and funny and she's a great writer and um i just really tapped her brain for a lot of kind of women's issue stuff um that i wasn't necessarily planning on other than that you know there was an there was a, a an article that she wrote the post that she wrote that i that i wanted to start up at the beginning i don't know why i'm explaining all of this you're just going to hear all of it anyway but suffice it to say uh i think it's a really um interesting uh episode hopefully it'll make you guys think and i i say it in the episode but i welcome you to respond with your thoughts and and ideas and and um i'm always just trying to figure it figure it all out and always failing but uh benefiting so much from your perspectives and your points of view um but again i talk about that on the episode so i won't uh i won't go too much more into that i do want to um tell you that i have so many shout outs that it's cartoonish because i finally caught up on all the twitter feed um i'm gonna read some names this is this is a lot of names but it's because i love you guys and i don't want to leave anyone out so let's just see how far we get into this on twitter i want to thank mike nicholas anna s ben phil lamar i just wanted to throw him in there because he was uh, wrote some really funny tweets and is a, a friend and uh, apparently listens to the podcast um or if he doesn't he's good at lying about it on twitter thomas d uh d-i-k-p-o-s-e I, I don't know if that's dick pose but i i didn't really want to hear myself say those words but apparently i did but you said something very nice on twitter so thank you e-h-r-r uh e-j laura ann l mike b adam s jason c john M feels are shot. I'm not sure what that means, but that's your Twitter ha- Twitter handle. And thank you very much for your comment. Morgan R, Jeffrey K, Paige S, Kyle Manny, Jeffy, John S, Ashley O, Ken L, Amelia S, Chase Wade, Ashley W. I'm trying to make these more entertaining for those of you whose names I'm not reading. Adam H, Katie S, Jared M, Kate. But that's K-A-I-T, Juicy Melon Jim, Julian S, Allison with a Y, Kelly Ray. Oh, I, I jumped over into people who would send me emails. Julian S sent me a beautiful email. Allison with a Y sent me a beautiful email. Uh, Kelly Ray posted something on Facebook that was lovely. Joyeuse Noel, Christina C, and Tone of Echoes all sent me great tweets. Uh, KCP sent me a beautiful, beautiful email. Um, Tamara on Facebook. Jason F on Facebook. Callie sent me a really great email. Uh, Kwame sent me a great email. Kathy in Texas sent me a great email. Grant sends me great emails. Jessica B sends me great emails on a regular basis as well. Megan C uh, tweeted me uh, lovely, lovely tweet. Uh, Jessica D on Facebook. Allison with a Y. That's Allison S who sent me an email. Hang hang in there. I'm thinking about you, my dear. Hang in there. Thank you for uh, sending me that email. And uh, we all go through times like you're going through. So uh, know that you are uh, 
everybody's sending you good vibes. Allison M on Facebook, Victoria R um, in an email, uh, Jessica LD on Facebook, Jody C on Facebook. That is it. That was so many thank yous. It was like 50 something thank yous. I just wanted to get them all out there, guys. I hope that my interesting voice helped. The last thing I want to tell you is that I am doing a live uh, version of the JV Club. I'm so delighted. I keep forgetting to tell you guys this, but I am going to be at the, and I'm looking it up on my computer right now as I record this, the uh, podcast festival. I want to be able to give you a link to go to it is going to be on october 13th that's a saturday um why can't i find uh the information about it crap oh boy it's uh, yeah there's the la podcast festival <laughs> i'll tweet you guys a link um here it is los angeles podcast festival i'm so <laughs> ill prepared for this i'm so sorry guys um it's happening in santa monica uh, it is at the Sheraton Delfina and the historic Barnum Hall. Um, there's a ton of great podcasts. I'm at three o'clock on Saturday. For more information, you can check out the, uh, the Kickstarter page uh, or just Google Los Angeles Podcast Festival and you'll get some more information. I'm, I don't want to announce who my guests are, my guests or guests are going to be yet, but. Um, Oh my God. Sorry, guys. If you're a fan of Aaron Gibson and you're just hearing me for the first time and you're listening to this five minute long introduction, I want to thank you for hanging in there and I want to apologize. Um, but uh, I think I've got all that housekeeping out of the way. Adore you guys as always and um, enjoy this episode and let me know what you think. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. Happy birthday. Oh my gosh. Isn't it your birthday today? Thank you so much. You know, my birthday was actually uh, back in February. It was February oh. 16th. Your birthday is, I think, in March. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I know that is because... And I've told you this before. I had this girl in high school that you remind me of who I was completely in love with, like platonically madly in love with, whose name was also Erin. Really? And she was tall. Like you you kind of look like each other. She's not an actress, is she? She's not an actress. Okay, You're good. safe. Um, it, uh, but she's brilliant. And, uh, and it was one of the reasons that I clicked with you right away. And she... And her birthday is also in March. She's a Pisces. Are you a Pisces? I'm an Aries. Okay. Barely. There you go. Barely. When's your birthday? March 22nd. Yeah. Hers is like the 20th. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we Aaron's like to do it. We you like to Aaron's. keep it in the twos. You Anything Aaron's with a two in it. Smart whippersnappers. <laughs> Guys, I am here with, uh, with my friend, Aaron Gibson. Uh, you may know her from her podcast, Throwing Shade. She also does a wonderful show um, called Entertainment Hollywood. And then w- what's the stuff with, uh, well, I know that you're going to be, can I say that you're going to be yeah, on, yeah, yeah. working for Funny or Die as mm-hmm. well. And then tell me, remind me of the current TV. Well, current's gone. Yeah, but well, well it's still a bit, it it's called. still around. Oh, it was called Modern Lady. Modern Lady. Yes. I don't know why I spaced on that. I apologize. It's, it's to you hard and the because listener. it's like how a child would. It was like how a child would name a segment. I love it. <laughs> Maybe that's why I respond to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was um, basically what I do on Throwing Shade, an extension of that. Just looking at media trends and 
political trends and how they relate to women and a lot of abortion talk. <laughs> a lot a lot of abortion. Well, there's no reason not to have that be a big part of your day every day. I am almost out of abortion jokes. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. We got to find you a we got to dig you a new well. Well, I just have to make it very specific as I have to make it specific to each abortion law that goes into into play, okay. you know, like you know, Mississippi's about to basically ban abortion. So I'll like figure out a, you know, a tight five on that. <laughs> a tight five. That's terrible and wonderful. <laughs> if you can't laugh at it, what can you do? Nothing. Not um, having an abortion. That's for sure. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> do you know I've never had an abortion? And I feel like someone who is as outspoken as I am about abortion, I feel like I should just get one. Oh, not do it. Not, I know. I know. You want to because... be able to speak, like to know what you speak. If I went into a Planned Parenthood and just was like, I'm not going to get an abortion. I'm not pregnant. As a matter of fact, I should be freezing my eggs right now. Yes. But could you walk me through the steps? They would. Do you think they would do that? I mean, I don't know if they would let you like watch someone else get one, but I'm sure they would walk you through the steps. Do you think they put me in stirrups and stuff and everything? Probably. Okay. I think they probably would. I'm going to do that. Um, Don't hold me to it. But I might do it. I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to prepare some documents. And before you leave, I'm going to need you to sign them. None of them are a release. It's just authorizing me to bug you about needing to get the abortion. You're smart to do that because LA is a town full of flakes. That's true. And there's a lot of talk here. There's a lot of talk. Some some might say there's nothing but talk. No, yeah. And here we are on a podcast. But you know what? This contract thing is a way to get people to actually do what they say in this town oh you said you were gonna come see my show if i could just get you to initial here sign here and date here here's your copy and i'll see you on sunday (laughs) like it god notaries would be getting so much business they really needed that trend um i have a couple of things that i that i know that i want to talk about obviously um as you may know from the podcast uh we do talk about your high school years Mm -hmm. i'm very excited to to crack that open can't wait but before i do that um i want to talk about this straight away because it's very fresh in my mind because i was just on your website enjoying an essay that uh could not feel more like i want to talk about it on the podcast i'm so excited that you wrote it i loved it I encourage everyone to read it. Um, it is on your website, which is Giblertron. Yes. Uh, G-I-B-B-L-E-R-T-R-O-N.com. That's my last name if I was a robot. That's your last name if you're a robot. Everybody knows how to turn your last name into robot last name. What's yep, mine? Just, Varnatron? Yeah, Varnatron. That's pretty good. Isn't that good? It is good. Yeah, it's really good. God, I just catapulted myself into the future with one word. Um, it's an essay about a, an article that you read that I also read. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it in the times? There's two articles oh, yeah, that I cite. Two different ones. One yes. in the salon and one in New York times. And the New York times one was about, it was from what I can gather, supposed to be a, a critique of BFFs, which stars, uh, our friend Lennon and Jessica, and Saint Jessica Claire, who's actually done the podcast. Yes. Whose podcast episode, by the way, will be airing today, Thursday. So oh, I to, mean, tomorrow, uh, Thursday. Right. And, and my friend Luca. So basically we know everybody on that yeah. show. Um, but I only say that because it really hit close to home when this when this article, which was supposed to critique this show, started talking about her looks. Yeah. From, from what I can 
see, there's no reason to do that. Right. It's not, it wasn't an article. It didn't say. It wasn't an article that was set out to be about that. It wasn't like, I wasn't looking at trends. Because I've, yeah, because I've noticed this trend and I want to acknowledge it. And, and, and she pretends to sort of support it in her way. It's a bit backhanded, right? But it's sort it of really like. It really was. It's like yeah. backhanded support, which is sort of the worst kind because it's insidious. It is. And, you know, its tone is very hard when you're writing. Regardless, yeah. like you, if you. I've found this out on doing Twitter and any essays I write. It has to be super tongue in cheek and you can't be, it can't, you have to be very black and white with your tone. Right. Because anybody, if they don't know you, they can infer anything, which is why it's important to go to journalism school (laughs) because you learn how to be impartial and just talk about the facts, which she did not, this woman did not do. Mm -hmm. Um, She kind of, her, theme was basically talking about how these women on TV are have the looks of what we would consider traditionally as a quirky best friend. Right. But they're the leads. And to bring back Aaron's original point, when we say her theme, we mean it was a, an article that started out saying, here's this new show BFFs. This is my quote unquote review of it. Janet, and it, it didn't ended, even start that way. Well, well, I think if you like, cause the reason I think I, cause I was doing my research on Jess yes. and I was looking it up to see about the show and what people had said about the show and all that kind of stuff. And, um, the and title I did. Think, yeah, exactly. The title, the title makes you think I am reading an article about this new show that's come out. That is not what the article is about. And out the gate, she yes. talks about her look. Yes, you're absolutely correct. And so Aaron made the, you know, so many great salient points in this essay about, uh, like that, that becomes the only focus and that there, and then she goes on, I'll let you continue talking about well, it. Well, just keeping it like, what is the, a, what's the point of talking about her looks? B, making the point that it's interesting that interesting looking women are on TV. It's not really a point and also not really true. Cause if there's, there's a history of women who are quote unquote, not hot. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're right. not models deliver, s- delivering a setup so that a guy can pay it off. These right. are real women who are actually funny and actually talented making a career for themselves like Ellen DeGeneres, like Lucille Ball, like right. people who aren't traditionally looked at as like models or whatever. That's a more interesting point to me than talking about how it's just interesting that these women look weird. Yeah. Which is basically what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And then the Which other article, with. the other, the, the other article that you, that you mentioned was an article about Rachel Dratch, which also kind of portended to be like, Rachel Dratch is great. And then didn't it just sort of like disintegrate into, Oh, the, maybe she's not that great. The title of? was, is Rachel Dratch too ugly for Hollywood? <sighs> that was the title. And like, I read it and my heart just like sank Yeah, that anybody, I don't care. I, nobody, I don't care. Fidel Castro, like, <laughs> talk about the things that people do, but I, I absolutely, just, it looks as far as I'm concerned are never important. And, um, when it's, if you're talking about a model, yes, they're important. They make their living that way. But Anybody else, I don't care. And women only, it's a, it's, this is a treatment reserved only for women. Yeah, you just don't see a lot of articles. Nobody talks about, about, talk about saying, how Jim yeah. Belushi looks, you know, yeah. or why Jim Belushi. I don't know why I name dropped. So, like, <laughs> so someone who's least interested in couldn't be less in the, in the, <laughs> in the, in the uh, ether right now. Um, but it was just so mean spirited. And, and I hate, this is something that I never knew really how to deal with when I lived in Texas because 
I, I knew there was this thing where smart people could use big words and complicated theories to try and prove their point. And because it sounds smart, you kind of believe it. Mm-hmm. But now I, I can kind of see through that. And yeah. this woman did exactly that. She tried to make this like theoretical point that, well, Rachel Dratch is, is Rachel Dratch too ugly for Hollywood? I don't know, but here's my theory. I don't think it's just that. I don't think it's that she's too ugly. I think that she's it's that she's not successful because she's not talented. God. Now, P.S. Rachel Dredge just came out with a book called "Girl Walks Into a Bar." Um, she's on a promotional r- tour right now, doing that. I don't know why this woman couldn't have read her book and talked about the book. Yeah, I, I don't. I see no reason why she couldn't have done that. It, it just it's so means it really it honestly and i said this in my piece it was like reading transcripts from a vodka fueled 16 year old cheerleader sleepover you know the kind that in with someone getting stabbed on purpose <laughs> yes that's what it sounded like just yes. the meanest unhappiest person in the world yeah tearing someone down in an intellectual way or hiding behind Hiding behind big words and philosophical ideas, but really just being a bitch. Yeah, I, and I'm sure now, obviously, the listener, you guys um, really can totally understand, of course, exactly. I mean, I was on board for this essay from the moment I started reading it. And then once I got into you saying that, you know, these articles were essentially just, you know, this sort of mean spirited 16 year old. Uh, And those of you who are 16 listening out there, I know we're not talking about you. You guys are good people or you wouldn't be listening to this because we spend way too much time being emotional and talking about positive things for you to be those jerks. But certainly that mentality absolutely exists and the cruelty of that. And we talk about it all the time on the podcast that these things that you sort of hope are going to die off. Uh, when the hormones settle down and when adolescence kind of rolls to an end, my argument is no, you roll out of adult adolescence into adult lessons and you're still coping with all of that stuff on a regular basis. And how do we continue to face that stuff and how do we make, make it known and how do we kind of diffuse it and become more supportive and, of, and, and encouraging of one another. And you and I uh, both are not necessarily... Oh my God, I'm so sorry, guys. I know I've said this on every single podcast because I because my guests are so specific. But um, the, the, I didn't set out to do a podcast that was about women's issues, or that it w- really I didn't think I would end up doing a podcast where I only interviewed women because I'm I have so many male friends and I kind of grew up around guys with a male energy. Um, but it feels so important now. Well, with, you know, especially when stuff like that comes up. It's weird. I don't know if girls are ever taught how to be nice to each other. Mm. And I and I and I don't know why, especially in my high school experience, it was very passive aggressive passive aggressive cattiness. And witness, okay, so you, we know you're from Texas. I'm from Let's Texas. Start folding in some of Here those, we go. Those details. I went to from Houston or from mm-hmm. no, yeah. well, I was born in Glendale, but okay. my parents were financially irresponsible, so we moved a bunch, and um, and they did their best. <laughs> I love them for it. Um, we, I basically junior high and high school, I f- went to school in Houston in a suburb, so mixed. It was it was. L- not like living in the city it was like living in the country mm-hmm. with absolutely not less to do i think because there were then it's like living in the country but there's a kroger and a chick-fil-a right and there's no country it's not like a farm it's not <laughs> quaint or cute it's right. kind of like boring and gross and uh khaki yeah. <laughs> a lot of khaki there 
stores and carpets and <laughs> the pants. So it was pretty boring. And I, I, I do think that boredom kind of manifests or people deal with that boredom by creating the drama that they do. I, I don't, I, I don't know how there there's so there's a lot of meanness in my and you school. went to public school? I did. I went to public school and I was on drill team. I, oh, can I be honest with you? I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't know what drill team is. Drill team is, I don't, they call it dance brigade at other schools. Okay. It's where you, it's kick lines. It's like the Rockettes. Oh, oh, okay. But I don't even know if we had that. Do you, you went to Arizona school in Arizona, mm-hmm. right? It's weird. I thought we it was cheerleaders, but that's all I, did you have flag girls? Uh, How big was your school? Pretty big. We had a class. I graduated I with a ca- class of six hundred. I was really not. I don't. I, I've never been to a single. I never went to a single sports game or sporting event in well, my entire career in high school career. Your career, my college, my getting high school, my, getting my high school degree. <laughs> um, they well, we used to dance with the during halftime at football games. Okay, and and pep rallies and stuff like that. All so right. it would I be a, had that. I just I think I might have thought they were cheerleaders formations. There was there were like a hundred of us. There's a lot of girls to make this oh, happen. Wow, wow. So we do okay. formations and stuff on the field and kick a huge kick line and it was a little nicer than the cheerleaders the cheerleaders were kind of you know the mean girls at our school and the drill well, team girls like were nerdy. a smaller more elite group whereas the drill team girls exactly. could be more of a community you could have a uh, diversity because there were a hundred of you which i was actually t- t- telling this story the other day because my dentist I'm going to come back to high school, but my dentist was trying to figure out how the beginning of Gangster's Paradise by Coolio started. (laughs) So already dentist office experience. I know. So he can't figure it out. Ask the dental hygienist. She doesn't know, but then calls the only black woman in the office over to ask her. And I was like, oh, I feel like that's racist. Yeah. Because the only people who would know how Coolio's Gangster's Paradise starts would be white people. I, I feel like. Right. It is not a good rap song. Right. It's doesn't it's so poppy. Um and maybe that's like reverse weird reverse racism, but I just did that thing where I crossed over. I forgot that I was thinking of Weird Al's parody and I was about to say, I mean Florence Henderson is in the video. <laughs> and then I remembered that that was the parody that's and it was I mean. michelle pfeiffer in the movie oh i mean oh, it, god oh okay but you would probably like i don't know maybe you would you, you would know what the beginning of that is that song if i asked anyone who like i i just feel like that's so reversed because now i'm like you're white so you would know it not right. the black woman but i but just suffice it to say to single her out in that world in that dentist office world was maybe not yeah because then he said something like what kind of he didn't say black woman he said like what kind of rap fan are you which was code to me for black woman Interesting. it was very uncomfortable and i was thinking about did she seem uncomfortable with the question no but i honestly what what can she it's her i don't know i don't know this situation like yeah. i actually felt bad for her like what could could she say something could she joke around with him i don't know what the dynamic is sure how many times a fucking oh do you cuss on this yeah. podcast okay how many t- how many times a week does this woman get asked shit like that yeah i that's all my mind could think of as like the, as the lone african-american everyone just office. calling her over and saying like well what, what, who was in poetic justice oh, no. like that's all i could imagine i hope no one i hope that was the only time awful but what made you think of that oh because there's a girl in our on our drill team that we had one black girl 
And we had to wear very thick tights and they were all flesh colored. And I'm using uh, hand yeah. quotes. Yep. They're white girl tights and she had to wear them. And they looked weird, of course, because she that's not her skin tone. tone. Yeah. And I asked her one time, I was like, does it make you feel weird wearing those tights? She's like, no, I love it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I, I'm not trying to pander or anything to you, but it, it, it was a weird thing where she was on drill team. Not a lot of people talked to her. There weren't a lot of black people in my school. There were, there were, there, there were a number of black people, but they, it was very Southern. It was people separated into cliques. And a lot of times they were, uh, uh, racial, racially based. It feels like I would be extremely remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to say, guys, I fully acknowledge that I've had, uh, uh, that I have that I have not had enough uh, representation of other ethnicities. Uh, I know a lot of Caucasian women. I want you to know that I have reached out to uh, some of my heroines who are not Caucasian, and and uh, and you will hear some on the on the on upcoming podcasts. But uh, that is a criticism that I have of myself and my podcast uh, that I've had from the beginning, which was like, oh, God, I, you know, there's in no, I need to I want to represent everybody and I want everybody to have a voice. And um, and so I just want you to know I'm aware of it and uh, and stay tuned. It's we- got to get that out. I'll say this for L.A. And especially comedy, it's kind of whitewashed, you know, it is, it is surprisingly so for the second largest city in the United States. It is segregated. It really is. And and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about it. Um yeah, oh, skin, I knew we were going to color transplant some some, some <laughs> Oh, there you go. Done. I, oh. A, a non-offensive blackface where I just go and undergo surgery. Perfect. Like like Tropic Thunder. Perfect. That that that's the solution for all race problems. We figured it out. Guys, this is the moment. It will make all it been figured out. People can probably feel the psychic ripple going through L.A. right now since we just solved the problem. Um, I want to come back to what started out uh, the conversation about getting into your high school experience and about drill team was you made the, the very interesting comment that I want to get back to because I'm, I'm, I'm super intrigued uh, about this idea of girls not being taught how to be nice to each other. And I would love to for your feelings on that. Well, okay, you're an only child, right? I am. Okay. And you're you? No, I have a sister. Okay, I knew that. I guess, and, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm asking for someone else. There's something weird about... There certainly brothers fight. There is something visceral about two sisters who don't get along and the clothes sharing and the competition. There's so much competition. And I was trying to figure out like how I, why I think it is that girls are so mean to each other. And it even goes back further. This is maybe is a too big of a statement to make, but in high school, girls are very, um, competitive over over boys and your life is kind of defined by who you're dating and what boy you like and it's all about boys and a lot of fights come out of that a lot of jealousy a lot of the cattiness a lot of the tearing down I don't know how I think if not that girls need to be taught to be nicer to each other but even going further girls need to be taught that their worth isn't defined by someone else right like a a guy or or not getting a guy or by the way I, and I think I think this is a this is a this is a good specific window into um, straight 
girls in high school, but I also have a, a, a lot of gay friends who experience some version of this dynamic, both male gay friends and female gay friends. So really the, the general, I think there's, there's still, there's still a representation of competitiveness and value placed on whoever becomes your partner or who, whatever success you have with dating. But I think coming back around to what you're saying, I think it's at, it's, it seems to me to be at its emotionally fiercest and most dangerous and most um, explosive, in a sense, between straight girls regarding straight guys. Would yeah. you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, I said really like as if gay people and lesbians never have problems because they're... <laughs> no, but, I, but the dynamic you know, between, you know, the dynamic in a lesbian community, uh, in my experience, is 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 different, but there's a, the, there are certainly versions of that and it's and it's and it can be intense no matter what. But I, but I do think, particularly since our culture in general feeds into, you know, speaks to and gives lessons to most to straight people... Because because the because you know media has ignored gays and you know it did the whole yeah. the whole thing so we're we're talking about we are talking about this kind of big picture machine of chicken or the egg like are you behaving that way because you've been taught that's how you have to behave or are you be- behaving that way because that's what that particular set of hormones and that particular set of gender associations that's like what comes out of it mm-hmm. you know and that is a big question by the way i absolutely do not have the answer but um well also pageants were big in texas too so there was so much emphasis on beauty and and if you think about any kind of competition that you see on tv reality shows you know miss america all of those things it's totally based on superficial um traits i mean those women give speeches aaron how dare you <laughs> they well they say words and their mouth opens but i'm interested in but I'm, I'm 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 interested in pageantry as much as i'm interested in the adult film industry as much as i'm interested in in prostitution and women who strip i mean i'm, I'm interested in all of those things that have very um, just the just the just ask a lot of big questions that I don't know the answers to uh, yet, and maybe I never will about about where your power comes from and who decides. Was I just watching? I was just oh it was oh man oh yeah wow interesting it was girls I can edit some of this out so it's not there's not so much hemming and hawing <laughs> when we're just talking about My Little Pony it flows so much more cleanly but I really appreciate that we're talking about the stuff that we're talking about um, I have you been watching girls have you I actually have it's on, I, it is in my list to do okay. unfortunately Game of Thrones took precedent understood and so I'm catching understood. up on that an almost all male cast took precedent I'm totally kidding oh, almost all male cast uh, extreme sexual situations <laughs> A Lots lot of, of foreshadow. Oh, a lot of gratuitous. Bo- I I wish I. No, I, I love. Game of I am very also. vocal about my problems with that show. Yeah. However, it is really good storytelling, mm-hmm. and it's like a soap opera. But I get it. I totally get it. I um, I just managed to squeeze in both because I'm uh, a bum and I like to sit in front of the television. Um, but I yeah. So I was watching that, and there was and there was a really interesting moment in, and I'm kind of still deciding how I feel about it, but I respect it 
for sure. Is and it from I, the last respect, episode? Yes. Okay, I, I know what exact. I know what in general what happens. The last episode I'm talking about is the second spoiler episode alert. called Vagina Vagina Panic. This is a spoiler alert, guys. Although I will say it's not like Game of Thrones in that I don't think I'm going to change anyone's perception of the show or experience no. of the show by saying this. It's not a beheading. It's not a beheading. Uh, no character is not. In, nobody dies in this. But but one of the characters is talking about. Um, feeling for there's a book that they're reading there's a book that they're reading and it's it's a bit like uh he's just not that into you which i instantly by the way was offended by i was like how dare they make fun if he's just not that into you because my friends wrote that book and i think it's a wonderful book for being a sort of cheeky and you know hot button culture like it was really hot for a little while and 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 it obviously you know created a movie and so many spinoff books came after it I think the intention of that book is genius. And yeah. I think, and the, and the intentions of the people oh, and he's who wrote hilarious. it are amazing. Yeah. Greg Barrett is, is amazing. And his wife, Amira is amazing, but they've got this book and one of the characters just goes off because she's saying like, I don't, I can't stand when someone else tells women how it is and how they have to interpret other people's behavior and how their behavior has to be to be happy or to change some sort of societal structure like i'm i'm not i don't i don't know that i'm representing this the speech so you guys should just watch the episode but she's definitely saying it really bothers me when other women tell me that i'm every woman and that i have to feel or behave a certain way or i'm not so what i'm coming back to is this idea of feminism being too rigid and that i don't want to be too rigid and i don't want to say you can't do this because i feel that you're not empowered, even though you're telling me not that you're empowered. Yes. It's very confusing for me. No, I think that I think, let me say this and then tell me if this is what you're trying to, or this is what you're saying. Cause my view of feminism is I will support you if you enjoy doing this thing and you, it is, you're not being, there's no, there's no coercion behind it. And I feel like with teenage girls, sometimes it's hard for them to really know this see this is also I think like it's still hard for us to know i don't know what i want but i certainly don't want to be in a pageant i don't want to be half naked you know i don't know but there but there but as a woman as another woman you have the absolute right to do that i i'm not going to st- stop you my real problem with a lot of the media stuff is I'm, i know i mentioned, mentioned or mentioned pageants and, and things like that and that's all part of this bigger thing of like how the media appeals to women and men and how the media uses women and i was watching this thing from miss uh representation which is uh if you don't have them on your facebook if you haven't liked them please do because if you're interested in this stuff they had a talk by this woman and i don't remember her name but it was basically talking about how she's been studying women in in advertisements for 40 years and it's actually gotten worse the way the women are depicted and there's a lot of ads with where you don't see women's faces, it's only part of their bodies, or the women's bodies are turned into something else. And I think that works on some level to to reinforce this idea that as as women are worth is only reflected in how people view us. And we need we need someone else to like kind of verify that. Right. Right. So I said a lot. <laughs> no, no, please. I usually feel like I'm talk. I'm way over talking guests. So I and you have not said a lot or too but much. In all any, this stuff is complicated. I don't know it's the answer. It's really to any hard. Of this stuff. Yeah, and that's. I mean, 
these guys are tired of hearing me say that I don't know the answers, but I, I just want us to be discovering this stuff together, all of us. And I want you guys to post your comments and continue to do that. And, uh, and, and all of that good stuff. I feel like this is, um, I, I'm so glad to have exploited the inner thoughts and the criticisms that Aaron has about, uh, society and questions about women as represented in the media i feel like i'm doing her a disservice because she's incredibly funny and i'm not giving her the chance to be funny it's interesting i don't like to be funny all the time though don't you think that's a weird pressure yes i do yeah absolutely absolutely it's just funny because i i I, so much so much of the time this podcast kind of starts lighthearted and they get serious and then gets lighthearted again and i think the fact that i just had read that essay right before you came over it just put me into this mindset where i just it's all me, I could think about. It's I got all angry I when that's about. why I wrote it. Yeah. It made really me angry, angry too. But you know what? Here's, here's something I learned. This is the difference between how I react now and how I reacted in high school. In high school, when something bothered me, I'd get mad about it. I'd get angry and I would like act out. You know, I would just, like do drugs or um, try to have sex with somebody or do something reckless that actually kind of harmed myself. Mm. And now I have this like weird thought process, even like, for example, sometimes I find myself getting really jealous when I find out that my friends have gotten jobs, which is a very natural thing. Um, but instead of being a kind of a bitch about it, I talk, I have this conversation I have with myself, which is, okay, why are you feeling this way? It's because I'm not, I'm not working right now. This person, something great happened for this person. This person's your friend. That is way more important than, than anything. You weren't even up for this job. Like I go through the logic of it. Like, you weren't even up for this job. Why is it a, a strike against you? It's not a strike against you that she got this thing. You guys are still like, it, it's a weird thing that I have to like dismantle. Cause yeah. I instantly go to this place of like, Oh, well I guess I'm not worth anything because someone's, you got yeah, this job. Someone else's success, even as obscure as their success might be somehow equals your failure. And I think that's a taught behavior. That's yes. a taught thing that I also don't think men I mean, I think they do. I mean, I think we certainly we are functioning in a community where that's more common is yes. the neuroses of men because we have these brilliant comics who in some way have maybe found they have similar insecurities to a lot of women that I know. And I'm sure it exists in all walks of life, but I can only speak to the ones that I know more intimately than others. They are but, achingly self-aware too. But there too. is a self-awareness yeah. and there is a self-criticism and there's a, a real doubt that can come with that stuff that might not exist necessarily in other specific social groups but um but it is it seems like it's a there's there's this learned battered behavior where we punish ourselves for other people's successes and i totally understand that you need to sometimes go through a process of making it okay for yourself because you are a good person and you don't want to begrudge anyone's success it's not ever about anybody else it's just about you my own baggage me yeah you know it think about it too like i think about all the time in high school when i was angry or like jealous or you know was mad at someone because they are they're dating the guy that i like all that stuff is so exhausting and actually takes more effort than just saying okay well i'm gonna be sad about it for a day then i'm gonna be over it with it over it and then i'm gonna do something fun right like it is so hard for me to enjoy things because that drama and that 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 friction and that um that fighting and tension and all that stuff that you kind of go through in high school you you just get used to it yeah 
And it, but it does take up so much space in you. It just takes up so much space. It's ridiculous and it's exhausting and it's not, it's, it's funny how when you can just say, even if someone like now has like a problem with me, before I would get really defensive. And by the way, I've been, I was, I've been in therapy for like six years, so that helps. <laughs> but like before I get really defensive and, um, you know, mad and all this stuff. And now I just go, yeah, you're probably right. I'm real sorry. And it's so easy. It's, it's over so much faster than just sitting with it, sitting on it and sitting with it. I will admit that I'm wrong or I will admit, that, I will admit that I'm wrong now just because it's easier. I don't, if I, if I don't think I'm going to get anywhere with this argument, I'm just like, oh yeah, you're totally right. It's, it's nice. so easy. It's nice. It is. And it, and it allows you the time and energy to go pursue something that actually feels good to Have think about. Have fun. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's made me a better joke writer and it's made me more confident on stage. I mean, you can't lose. Yeah. Cause you're not worried about like, oh, am I being right right now? Am I like, how am I, do people think I'm attractive right now? Yeah. Like I don't care about that stuff anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it on a, um, a little bit of a lighter note and, um, and go back to high school a little bit. So you, when you were on the drill team, Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was one piece of your extracurricular life. What else did you do that had not that in in some cases could have nothing to do with school? Did you, what, what, what else was fun? Because you were going to school out in the suburbs in khaki land, USA and, uh, and we know that there was some drama that came along with that, as is true with any high school and certainly with a high school with surrounded by very little to do. But what did you what did you love going to the movies? Did you love cooking stuff? Did you love crank calling people? Did you have like what were the things that, that excited you that you that you love doing? Well, this is kind of making lemons out of or lemonade out of lemons. But when I was on drill team, I was not a good dancer. And um so I was this thing called an alternate a lot. Okay. So when we basically when we'd go to competitions, I would learn the dances, but I wasn't really allowed to dance unless someone else got hurt. Oh, no. So I spent a lot of time weirdly becoming friends with my dance teacher. And I remember one time this, we had this uh, guest teacher come in. She was a uh, whatever Dallas cowboy or a cheerleader or something. She had some dance uh, legacy, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to make her sound like she was she like was Judy Garland. Yeah. But, um, and so she made everyone do this thing. She's like, everyone you're doing, a, you're doing a, you know, dance teachers are just sometimes the worst. And this woman had a very ballet attitude. Like that was all wrong. Everyone was wrong. You're all doing it wrong. And one of the things that she did was she made everyone dance with pencils in their mouth. Oh, and so to remind them to smile. Oh, that's painful. So I, so she was, she didn't want to do it. So she made me do it. It's so old school. It's, oh, it feels it's like so old mommy school. dearest. But I, so I remember, I remember I, w- I went down to like, I had to pass out all these pencils to my friends basically. And I would pass it out and I would just, you know, say jokes to them or just be like, I'm really sorry. This is going to taste bad. <laughs> and I'm going to be watching you from the stands. I just know that I'm it, I'm with you in solidarity, but I will not be putting a pencil in my mouth today. Right. And then, you know, just took me a long time. But um, so I got to do stuff like that. And one of the things I would do is I would make up alternate dances to the dances that they were doing because uh-huh. I was just bored. I was bored. So um, 
one of the things that I did with, there were two other alternates is I made up an alternates rap, which was a rap that we just sang every time as the alternates. I'm I think I know some of the words. It. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was me, my friend Brooke and my friend Kim, all of us. And I believe one of us was legitimately injured. So she was like an alternate by just for temporarily. Right. Okay. So it goes like this. Let's see if I remember it. We're Aaron, Brooke, and Kim. We are the shystas. We in the house, we are the rhyme meisters. We got two blondes and one we don't know. But don't even ask us. We ain't in the show. Our kicks aren't high. Our toes aren't pointed. We fall out of turns. And we sure ain't double-jointed. That's all I remember. There are more lyrics, but I don't remember anything else. <laughs> Aaron, how does the beginning of Gangsters Paradise go? <laughs> I mean, that is the, awesome. like, whitest, <sighs> worst... We all love the Beastie Boys, so sure. on some level, we had a sense of entitlement when it came to rap. Right? Uh, Isn't it amazing how much that stuff from high school cements in your brain in a way? That, I mean, I, you know, I feel like I can remember. Certainly, I don't have to remember anyone's phone number anymore, and I and I can so remember the phone numbers of a ton of girls. Yeah. that I was friends with in high school. Well, music and, too. And I was music. I was at Coachella this weekend, and there were so many bands that I love that I absolutely love, and I was standing there and. And I realized, I don't know any of the words of these songs. It's interesting. But if you played a U2 song from the 90s, I would know every single word. Yeah. And now, is that because your relationship... I was just talking about this with with, uh, St. Clair as well, because she was not into music when she was in high school. And she's not really into it now. So she sort of has a friend who kind of acquaints her with everything. But she likes music, right? She likes music. But uh, but she just wasn't... Like, I've had a few girls on the podcast who I think were more like... I, I throw you into this as well, although I don't know. I was... Music was hugely important to yes. me in high school. Hugely important. It was like... I mean, I loved music so much I had... When I was, I've never said this on the podcast, but I had, um, I took like when when a cassette tape would like get crinkly or burned out, you know, or, like break or whatever. Instead of throwing the cassette away, I took out all of the tape inside the cassette, and I would hang it from my ceiling. So my bedroom just had was like the whole ceiling was covered with these draping down, dripping cassette tapes. That's amazing. It was kind of creepy, actually. It was like a haunted house, but um, but I loved. Like knowing, like that's my Depeche Mode, you know, Black Celebration cassette that I had to buy a new one for, but it's up there. And 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 other girls on the podcast just weren't necessarily that into music. So I guess my question to you is, by way of a very long personal anecdote, um, did was your relationship with music has it changed, or is it just that at that age it cements differently than it does now? Well, I was very obsessive about bands and so i would i would like a lot of music but i would focus on one band and that band was you too about them yes as a matter of fact my best friend in high school really the only reason we were best friends is because we both loved you too we kind of had other things in common (laughs) and i'm not gonna and you made it work i was definitely the person in the relationship who was needier so i looked up to her and she was as obsessed with you two as i was but she definitely had the power in the situation. So like when she started smoking, I started smoking. When she started drinking, I started drinking. So I was just her. People used to call me her shadow. I mean, it was like. This is so crazy. But it was based I on that. I had this same thing, not about music, but just with with that, my friend Aaron. I've never had more of a, what is she doing? I just want to do what she yes. does. Oh, and Kelly um, was and is beautiful. Like perfect features, um, you know, perfect boobs. 
she was she she was a ballerina she was a rock cat for a while she was just absolutely gorgeous and tall and thin and beautiful and you know her parents had money and she was great she was absolutely great and she loved you too and i dated her brother for six months after i uh graduated high school and that made everything very weird but yeah i really made it weird did you feel so did you have an awareness of like an inferiority superiority to that relationship Yes, or and you I felt like. Did you ever feel like you like? Did you ever resent her, even though there wasn't? It wasn't really her fault per se. No, I was just really nervous around. Like, mm. I had that nervous neediness that I think now, if I'm like dating somebody or feel that in somebody, I'm inst- instantly like, I can't deal with it because mm. it reminds me so much of how I was with her. Very like whatever she wanted, it's her. You know, she never demanded it of me. But she's but she allowed it to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and weirdly, I I I don't know why you'd be friends with me. I didn't do anything. I, I wasn't like she wasn't like Aaron. Go get me a drink. Right. It was never like that. Right. I don't understand it. It was a weird dynamic. But I think that dynamic is very common in high school. And I and I I'm wondering for the male listener out there, if you feel like letting me know this, did any of you have those sort of fierce and fiery and you know these these sort of platonic relationships with with friends, with male friends where you just emulated someone or someone emulated you because I guess I'm I guess I feel like I think of that as being particularly female and particularly common in that age range. Like when, when you're an adolescent for the first time and your hormones are going crazy and you're trying to kind of find your way and figure out what you, who you are and all that kind of stuff, as, a, as that stuff is really becoming super important. I think there are a lot of girl friendships like that where some people have really healthy, equal, normal kind of best friendships maybe that started before that time period and continue on afterwards or some of my really really close friends that I still have from high school I had very very healthy super equal relationships with but I think there are I think it's common for young women to find a girl that they just fall in love with it sounds like you loved her like the same way that I loved my Aaron it was it was but was yours uneven? I think it was I think it was uneven. I think I don't know if she she and I I I'm actually hope she listens to the podcast cuz she's a she's brilliant. It would be amazing to have to know she was out there listening. Um I think that we I think it was more equal than either one of us realized. I think it's possible that in some weird ways we both felt like the inferior one. Mm-hmm. Um I think but I think there was a really, really complex thing happening where I wanted, we wanted to be the exact same person and yet that made us competitive. So in one moment when we were alone, we would just be in love with each other and it was like her and me against the world and then, you know, bring a cute boy into it or bring another friend into it or bring a band that we both loved and had to love more than each other into it. And suddenly it becomes impossible to share. And it becomes like, no, 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 I'm special. I'm different. I'm not the same as you. Someone could like me for me and, and not even maybe even like you. We're not the same, you know? And that's well, it's so always specific. a fear. Of, it's like a weird fear of that person going away. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. Also, I was thinking about this when you were telling that story. You know, you were an only child. I had a sister who we really didn't get along. Is there something to the idea that with these best friends, you it's the first time in your life where you can relate and talk to somebody who absolutely gets you and understands you. And there is not competition like you would have in a family. And it's not an authority figure like a parent. Maybe. 
I mean, I definitely had close girlfriends up to that point. I just, I've just never, this is, could be, I could dedicate this whole episode to her. I just fell for her. You know what I mean? I I don't know. know. People, if you guys know what I'm talking about, I'm a little embarrassed at how much I'm talking this time and about what, but I just fell in love with her. Like for, I was love at first sight. I literally fell in love with her at first sight and I just couldn't spend enough time with her. It's weird because it's not sexual and it wasn't sexual. It's not sexual. Now here's a here's another thing I feel like this is bringing up. If guys were better at having those kind of relationships in high school or felt the freedom to do that, would there be less fear of gay people? Because I don't I'm not afraid of lesbians. The way that I know some of my friends that I went to high school with are are very like outspokenly anti-gay. Are they? From, yeah. Yeah. From, mm-hmm. I, I forget because Arizona, I mean, it's pretty conservative, but I think a lot of my friends are were just, we were like in a liberal kind of community within a conservative yeah. community. We were, it was very conservative community. And I don't know. I just had that thought of like, I mean, I've brushed my other, my girlfriend's hair and yeah, it's very, it's very touchy feely and, and that's, that's okay for girls to do. But in Texas, it absolutely wasn't okay. It was not okay for guys to do anything that even borderline, uh, even bordered on affection. Yeah. And, and I remember my friend in from high school, she had a baby in college, like very, very quickly, or not quickly, like I think she was a freshman or sophomore. And I remember meeting her baby for the first time. And this baby was, his name was Ashton. He was the most beautiful baby I've ever seen in my life. Just perfect. And I couldn't stop saying he's so beautiful. He's so beautiful. And her stepdad kept saying handsome. And I was like, no, he's not handsome. He's beautiful. Like, right. This is the picture of a beautiful, like beautiful baby. But listen to, he me. made it so yeah. gender. I know, yeah. I know. But you know, my problem is, is that I am think I am going back to our conversation about the importance of looks and judging people based on looks. And it's like, how do you not do that? I mean, if a baby's beautiful, baby's beautiful. And I also wanted to go back and say about pageantry and the reason that I feel like I can't cast a stone and that I do get so confused and worried about like the concept of beauty is that like, if I were that ardent of a feminist, would I just, you know, would I show up to an audition without any makeup on, you know, showing clothes that didn't reveal my body because it was because I didn't want to be valued for my looks. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. If I say uh, a woman who competes in a beauty pageant is not that much further down the beauty line than I am for being willing to, you know, do a commercial for a beauty product or I see your point. I totally see the point. And to say a baby's beautiful is somehow suggesting that, you know, that like, or you're not supposed to tell children that they're pretty or they're, because you don't want it to be all about the, you know what I mean? It's very confusing. It's hard. Yeah. It's weird because that was very weirdly like gender based, me telling this, you know, saying this baby's beautiful. But about the pageantry thing, I think that starts so young. And this is maybe not giving them a fair shake, but it is indoctrinated. Like it, I mean, is that the right? Is that the word I want mm-hmm. to use? Like, it's it it starts so young, and it is so much about the parents. I don't know a three year old who would who would rather spend their afternoons, Saturday afternoons, doing pageants rather than playing outside. I just right. don't. Well, I think some I think some children, male and female, 
do love, I mean, I was just talking to some parents about the idea of dress up clothes and stuff mm-hmm. and that it's, that they'll just go through phases and some of us kind of stay in that phase where you sort of would rather be in costume, you know, you'd rather be wearing your snow white costume that your parents got you at Disneyland than your normal clothes. And I think that gets some, maybe somehow that, that but your parents aren't giving you pixie sticks so you can stay awake so that you can stay in correct. Yeah, you know that's what, what I'm I mean? saying. Like, I'm saying like that sort of tipping point where a mother says, "Oh, you know, I think my my daughter's really into this because she loves putting on this tutu that I got for her to dress up," and and translates that in some uh, in some way into now I'm going to put makeup on my child and now I'm going to feed my child sugar to stay up to do this pageant and and it's going to become all about her value as as the way she looks and pageants and a lot of the way that kids stuff is structured um like with ballet and even you know well taekwondo I guess is traditional but there's so many there's prizes and money involved yeah and that's when it starts to get gross to me like if pageants were just about the purity of beauty or something like that and talent that's different, but there's money involved. Mm. And that money is directly related to how well you sing, genetically how you look, how thin you are. I mean, putting kids on salad diets. Do you watch do you watch Dance Moms and all and I've never watched any of those shows cuz I'm so afraid that I'll just feel a, a, an emptiness in my heart afterwards that I won't be able to shake. Yeah. I mean, some of those kids I'll say like I don't, I don't believe that any of them really want to do that. I think some of them are outgoing and they would be like fantastic actors or singers or something like that. But yeah. just putting the beauty element in it, I just it grosses me out. And I don't mean, I'm just saying, I don't, uh, again, I, I always feel like I have to go back and, and say about myself that I, I'm, I'm just not enough of a poster child for anything to, to, you know, yeah. to be too critical. But, I, but, I, but I, every point that you're making is so salient. Now here's the other thing. Here's, I feel like we're, we're like, playing devil's advocate with ourselves i know i know i can't stop myself from doing it that's why i never get anywhere i know i know just, we just think that's all we yeah. do um there i so i'm really into gender identity disorders because i felt growing up you know i'm 511 i've been 511 since i've been in third grade uh, you know i had to wear adult shoes when i was in elementary school and i never really got to like wear kids clothes because i was so big and so because of that I just, I didn't, I didn't really understand what it was like to be a woman or what it was like to look like a woman. And I, when I was in fifth grade, I had this weird year where I pulled models, pictures out of magazines, and I just had an entire wall of beautiful women. Hmm. And it wasn't that I aspired to be them. I just, I didn't know why I had it. Trying to understand it in some way. So I didn't know if I was a lesbian. I didn't know... You know, there was a moment where I was like, well, I kind of do look like a boy. Maybe I was supposed to be a boy. Like very much questioning everything that I, you know, just questioning it just so that I could feel better about the way that I looked and make it make sense because I I was super awkward. Yeah. Glasses, the whole work, braces, terrible home perms. I mean, I did look like I looked like a, you know socially awkward gender neutral i don't know what did I mean, you have any did you have any boyfriends in high school in high school i had a boyfriend starting my i had a boyfriend my sophomore year who did not work out and i didn't basically he was like do you want to date and i was like okay like th- i didn't even think about it just like yeah. someone asked me 
And then I had a crush on this guy, Zach, who I, for a very long time. And I remember the school that I went to used to give us planners. And so we could write, you know, our homework or whatever down. And I remember putting on the date of prom, senior prom, it just said, I will go to prom with Zach. Oh, you secreted on it. Yeah, I did. I did use the secret before it was a secret. But the way that I went about it was desperate, sad. I don't look back on it and think, yeah, I earned that. It was more of like, I did not give him an option to say no. What did you do? Um, Wore slutty clothes, (laughs) made sure I was by his locker when he was, I knew his class schedule. Oh, here's another thing. I was an office assistant and because I had good grade, this is one of the reasons I think I'm, I, I went into acting, but, um, I had good grades and I was really good with adults and I knew how to speak to adults. I knew what they wanted to hear. I knew that they, what, what an upstanding student looked like. So I got this job in the office and I used to steal passes. I would steal like a pad of passes and these passes, you could write on them, write a person's name. They need to come to the office. And so I would just steal this pad and I would just get him out of class and we'd walk around and talk about his basketball games. We talk about him, him basically. Surprise, surprise. Now here's what else happened in high school. Weirdly enough, because I was, I almost got along with adults better because of my height. And like, I really did kind of look like a college age. I look like a assistant manager at a pottery barn, pottery <laughs> barn. Like, and speaking as an yeah. assist, a former assistant manager as a pottery at a pottery barn, I can totally relate to that. A lot of sleeveless turtlenecks. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I started having this, having a relationship, a friendship with one of the coaches, which was weird because I was like really pursuing this guy in the totally desperate wrong way possible. He could care less about me. And then at the same time, having like a genuine friendship with a coach at our school who was very young and like literally right out of college. He's 20. What would that be like? 23, 24. Yeah. Yeah. Younger. Yeah. Maybe he was very young and like kind of falling in love with him in a way that was felt like normal and natural. And thank God nothing happened because I would just be married, living in a suburb, married to a high school coach not that there's anything wrong with that that's not that wasn't for you no not for me but it was weird to to have this opportunity to kind of have a genuine relationship with an adult and someone who's kind of been through things and knew how to like talk to me like a real person and then be getting this dirt bag out of class and talk and just talking about him the whole time it's it is a really interesting dichotomy so i secreted that and then this accidental thing happened and nothing ever happened between us. Nothing. And so did you go to prom with Zach? I did go to prom with Zach and I watched him make out with another girl in front of me. Oh. And it was, uh, he ignored me most of the night. It was just exactly what you get when you pursue something that way. Yeah. Not that I deserved it, but it was a lesson for sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this little nugget up. I have never, I, I went to my own prom. I went to with a couple girlfriends I did go to someone else's prom and I thought of it because his name was Zach. Uh, we actually still know each other. Um, he's a great guy, but we, we had dated when I was a junior and then neither one of us was dating anyone when prom rolled around a year later. And we always sort of had been affectionate towards one another. And, um, we went to prom together and 
it was fun. And then we went to this guy's house afterwards and uh, he produced this bong. And I don't think I had smoked. I'd smoked plenty of pot, but I hadn't smoked out of a bong before maybe or something. I just don't think I had whatever experience I was about to have. I was not prepared for. I just looked like a giant bong hit of some really strong marijuana and proceeded to have my what would be my first of many to follow horrible panic attacks uh too high you know couldn't make my limbs work right couldn't feel my tongue my voice sounded like it was like the words were coming out later like there was a delay between my talking and what i heard my voice doing and it was dreadful and if i could go back and not have that experience i would and i don't usually say that on the podcast about experiences like i don't regret much um, even the stuff that maybe was a mistake, uh, because it, it sort of took me, to, you know, that to become who I am. However, some of those isolated incidents, girls, not worth it. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I remember drinking, uh, my junior year of high school going to a party with col- of co- with college kids and drinking bourbon out of a coffee cup and going to school drunk the next day. And, Ugh. and, 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 and the whole time going, what am I doing? I'm a straight A student and I'm drunk at school. I am drunk at school right now. It was disgusting. I have to say your thing about regret. I totally agree with you. I, I honestly wish that my mistakes could have happened in a more condensed way because it, I feel like it took me a really long time to be okay with myself Yeah, and be happy and be able to do stuff that I enjoy and operate in a way that I didn't have wasn't filled with shame all the time do you still have friends from high school that you can that you talk about this stuff with or that sort of are with you on your journey as as you kind of become more comfortable I have this friend Brooke who's pretty amazing she I know she was part of the rap oh she was in the rap yeah guarantee she was in that rap um and she's she's very Oh, she's just a character. She's a character. Well, she is she still in Texas. She's still in Texas, but I get to see her when I go to. I see her when I'm in Texas, and I see her when her mom, her and her mother own a chain of Brighton stores in Texas. Which what do you is, know what Brighton? I is? don't. What's Brighton? It's like um, it's like this silver buckly, weavy leather wear purses oh, okay. and shoes okay. and keychains and stuff Maybe like women in the south is. love it yeah and so they run a store that has that and they, they have they sell they sell like other things too but that was like how they started out they sell fun candles and you i get know, it i think a, i've been in one i think i've been in one in my travels it's a store in, for in fun Texas. ladies yeah so they come here to do they buy stuff at the at the uh downtown la they go to market there's like two markets that happened in 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 la they stay in huntington beach so i drive down there this is what happened this year. I drove down there on a Thursday night. We got drunk, the three of us. Um, her mom is one of these like Southern ladies who just says what she wants. Uh-huh. And was, you know, she, like her big thing, remember when we were in college, she was like, well, girls, now that you're old enough, I'm going to teach you all how to make better than sex cookies. Oh. And, you know, it was just basically a really good cookie uh, recipe, but that's the kind yep. of mom she is. She yep. says that. And, we just had like a frank discussion about how long it took her to start her business and, and how she, you know, just interesting stuff as a female business owner. I mean, Brooke's dad works for and slash with her mom and that's how they make their money. It took her like 20 years to get this company established and now she has 20 employees and just how far she's come. And it was really nice over 
the biggest margaritas you've ever seen <laughs> and that they can drink. And we, I got more drunk than them. So I stayed with them. They were in a two, two, like a double bed suite. I slept with Brooke. We watched David Letterman, all three of us and went to sleep. And honestly, it was the best I've slept in a really oh long time. God. It was really Sleep nice. Over with yeah. the girls. And then the next morning they cleaned out their fridge. They were like, we're not throwing this food away. So you have to take it. So they gave me two boxes of Cheerios and a handle of vodka. That's what I took home. Those are the things that they need to have a successful buying trip from Texas to Los Angeles. Breakfast and a nightcap. Listen, that's all you need. I'll tell you something. Got me hooked on Cheerios. Yeah, really? Yeah, I love Cheerios now. What cereals did you... What cereals have you loved before Cheerios? You we weren't allowed to have... Ch- like shitty cereals yeah. we weren't allowed to have fruit but cheerios loops. is not a shitty cereal no but that's what we grew up with like cheerios and like frosted mini wheats was about the sugariest cereal that we were allowed yeah, to I eat i don't even know if i could get away well it's funny because my dad would let me have he would have let me have like cookie crisp but not frosted mini wheats somehow maybe that's the frosting weird. part seemed more sugary i you know my mom for all of her my parents were very we grew up pretty poor and they were a little aloof only because they worked a lot. But despite that, one of the things my parents did really well is they, we never ate junk. We ate, we had Doritos every once in a while and Cokes every once in a while, but my mom really limited that stuff. And I am very thankful that she did that. I, I don't have, I have a sweet tooth with cakes and stuff, but I don't like sodas. Um, I don't eat crappy cereals. I eat pretty healthy and that I attribute that to my parents for doing that for me that's good despite the fact that i was like one at mcdonald's every single day right and asked for it yeah and was denied it yeah i feel like i had a pretty i mean my dad didn't cook at all but i feel like he 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 got good health good healthy takeout yeah i mean i do i think that and i think that we made really really simple food at home but i feel like i got the right amount of junk food i feel like once every couple weeks we would have burger king yeah and it was always burger king that's how it should be um and that was a big deal and then once every couple of weekends i would be able to have like dunkin donuts you know my mom my mom loves to cook and she also the, the i say this as a joke sometimes about like when i talk about the abortion debate about how not that i wish my mom would have had an abortion, but it would have made her life a lot easier because she is a very talented visual artist and she's, you know, was pregnant at 19 and didn't, didn't have any, I don't know what her options were. I don't ask her about it, but she gets kind of sad when I'm like, did you ever think about aborting me? Not that. What mother isn't going to get sad? What mother's going to be like cheerfully? I did. You know, I really weighed my options. Well, you know, like, what is it to me? It's a, it's a parallel universe that doesn't right. exist right, right now. So it's just all, it's t- not that she would, not that she would say yes, but I'm, and not that I want to like drag her life out into the open and be like, do you have a, <laughs> any regrets that you're 50 and haven't accomplished your dreams? Right. Like, I don't right. want to, that's not what I want to do. Of but course. it, it, I, one of the reasons that I am very pro, I think girls, if they want to be on the pill when they're, when they start their periods, they absolutely should. There should be sex education in all schools. None of this abstinence only stuff, just a real honest, um, logical approach to sex, sex education, because my mom was a young mom and 
one of the things, and it used to make me, it made me really happy, but also very sad was she would decorate our birthday cakes and they were magnificent always. And in high school, when I loved you too, she made me a birthday cake with Bono on it. Do you have pictures of any of these I cakes? do somewhere. Yeah, I do somewhere. I have to look I, and see if I have it. The listeners sometimes do ask me when, when specific things like that, like Gillian Jacobs described some really amazing Halloween costumes. So I had to get yeah. one picture. Um, but it was always a birthday picture cakes. of a cake that I can, that, that we can share, I would, we would love that. If if not, my mother would be happy to troll through pictures and look for okay, it, good. but she could only to show it off because they were magnificent. She did flowers and she, she did the, it looked like a professional cake. That's awesome. And she spent a lot of time on it and I'm sure I was a jerk about it. I'm sure I was like, it's not right. But <laughs> looking back at it, I really appreciate it. And, but it made me sad because I was like, oh, my mom's really talented. Yeah. <laughs> my mom's. Do you, do you feel like, and maybe this is too personal, but do you feel like your own choice to have not had kids yet is uh, inadvertently or advertently uh, related to your mom, your awareness of your mom and, and her young pregnancy and kind of... Yes. Yeah. My sister doesn't have children either. She's 32. I, you know, it's weird because one of the reasons that I'm divorced is because I kind of came to the realization that I don't have to have raised kids the way that my parents did. I will do a better job. And I, and my, not that my parents did a bad job, but there's a lot of things that I would do better. And one of them is be in a situation financially where I can afford to have a kid and the stress isn't taken out accidentally on my kids. Mm. I was never abused, but I definitely was ignored. And I definitely remember a couple of times. Oh, I remember in seventh grade, a kid threatened to murder me to my face in science class. This was when we lived in Kentucky. He told me how he was going to do, do it. He, we were in science class and he said, I'm going to string you up on the, there were like, um, there was like an abandoned playground in this, this hillside community we lived in. He's like, I'm going to string you up at the, on the, um, swing set. I'm going to gut you and I'm going to leave you there to die. And I know. And this is my first year at this school and I freaked out. I told my teacher, she didn't believe me. I told my mom, my mom got mad at me. Because she was like, oh, great. Now I have to write a letter to school. I was like, can you just write a letter? All I want you to do is I want to be moved away from this person. And I, my mom reluctantly wrote a letter. But it was that thing of like, I had a problem and she couldn't, my mom couldn't see past her own stress about this thing that she had to deal with now because of their situation to actually help me with the situation. So she wrote me, she wrote a letter asking if I could be moved away from this kid. My teacher read it like humiliating me in front of class. Well, I guess Aaron doesn't like sitting next to Timothy anymore. So we're going to move her. Wouldn't even like to volunteer. It made a huge deal about it. Embarrassed me. And it made me feel a lot of shame about feeling threatened because no one took that guy seriously. And I, I definitely think people in seventh grade have the ability to murder somebody. I mean, I just I think we've been shown that unfortunately yeah. on the news. Uh, I think definitely now it would have been taken a lot more seriously, but yeah. then it was the late nineties. That's and, horrible. Isn't that awful? That's so scary. Very scary. That's beyond bullying. I mm-hmm. mean, and bullying is absolutely dreadful. It's amazing having that kind of situation that I even talk to strangers or, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Do you want to talk about more about how I was threatened to be murdered? <laughs> you know, I, know, I know. Well, this has been a very, it's been a fairly somber uh, podcast. Um, you know, we're, we're, I didn't mean to make it that way. No, I, I, I started it off and I, my hope is that, uh, is that you guys listening are, you seem to be as interested in some of the more inflammatory topics that have come up on the podcast as much as you are interested in, in laughing and talking about goofy stuff. Well, so. if nothing else, I think that it proves that regardless of whatever situation that you have in high school or middle school at the end of it all, when you graduate, when you are out of a situation and you have power, you can make your life exactly what you want. Yeah. So do it to your, that do it to the degree you can in high school. But you know, you, when you, when you're out of that situation, you have every bit of power to do what you want. Yeah. If you had wanted to spend the rest of your life writing raps. I could have done it. About being a dancer. I could have been Peaches or uh, Lady Sovereign. That's right. But I, I'm just really... I, I know better now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. In some ways, it's not so far off from that person. No. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. And uh, guys... Dry your tears. Dry your tears. Yeah. <laughs> Um, call your friends, tell them you love them. I don't know. I don't know what advice other than that. I think that was great. And, uh, and, and we don't have to give advice on this thing. You guys are smart. You know what to do. Um, and most of you are our age or older. So <laughs> that's also the reality. So you can give us advice. Maybe yeah. you should do that. You can write in and give us advice. Um, thank you so much. And, uh, hope you enjoy this episode of the JV club. Bye guys. As always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.